Hello, and welcome to the Watershed Moments podcast, where I and other therapists discuss real-life, everyday mental health issues to give you real and practical help to live a healthier life for yourself and with others. Now, if you want more content like this, be sure to visit our website at watershedinitiative.com to dig into the library of podcasts, articles, and courses that we've made just for you. And of course, if you need face-to-face help, definitely reach out to our partner affiliate, Lifeology of Richardson and Frisco at 214-556-0996 to get connected with a therapist or life coach. Thanks for listening. And we All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Watershed Podcast. We're in our uh, next episode where we're going to continue on our discussion on conflict. And specifically in this episode, we're talking about conflict uh, as it pertains to how we respond to people in conflict. And so let me frame this appropriately. This is a little bit of, uh, of, of, of what happens when we don't initiate a conflict, but someone's coming at us uh, in conflict. And so we want to talk a little bit about how we, we handle those kind of situations. And so to continue to unpack this, uh, this topic, we've got our, our uh, friendly therapist back here. We've got Laura Harrison, LPC. Hey, y'all. And we've got Adrian Jones, LPC intern with us. Hey, good morning, everybody. All right. So, guys, uh, we, uh, in our last episode, talked a lot about some of the things that we do when we're, you know, starting conflicts. We got issues and we want to talk about what our issues are. This one is when, hey, when people got issues with us and how we handle that. And so I'm going to break this conversation up into um, into two parts. Um, the first part, we're going to cover what's called defensiveness and blame shifting. The second part, we'll talk about shutting down, withdrawing, fixing, that kind of thing. So let's just focus in on defensiveness and blame shifting. And so, um, again, the scenario here is someone's got beef with you. Someone has a bone to pick and they've got a, a conflict with you and you don't see it coming, and your instinctual response is, in this situation, a defensive response or a blame shift response. And so I want to make a distinction between those two things real quick. And so defensiveness, as I understand it, the way I'm defining it here, is when we say um, that, it, there, that it's, it's, uh, there's nothing wrong with what I did. Like, it's, it's, it's not um, a, a problem. I'm, I'm defending myself in this situation. Blame shifting is a little bit different. Because blame shifting moves responsibility away from self onto other people. Okay, so you can see blame shifting as a defensive response, but um, there there are multiple ways in which you can um, do uh, do a defensive response. So either way, I want to try to unpack that a little bit um, and 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 just kind of see how you see it in your context, your in your own terms. Help me define it the way that you guys see it. What do you guys observe? I mean, I, a lot of times I think of defensiveness is like, if you only understood, mm-hmm. like if you knew the whole story, then you wouldn't feel that way. And so I'm going to try to tell you the whole story yeah. before yeah. I listen to what's going on with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's really like trying to explain it away, mm-hmm. right? Like explain. And, and sometimes um, really in that moment of, you almost want just an apology sometimes. And the defensiveness comes across as, but this is why I did what I did, mm-hmm. right? If you mm-hmm. only understood, to your point, yeah. why I had to hurt your feelings, mm-hmm. then this yeah. wouldn't even be a conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you guys both put that. It helps me clarify the, the term a little bit better because defensiveness really is like a, um, a trying to justify. I'm mm-hmm. trying to justify why I did what I did that you took offense to and why it's okay, right? Why you shouldn't feel the way that you do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, just out of like in your own observation, like what, uh, <laughs> what effect does that typically have? Like what, what, um, benefit, if you see any, does it have 
or damage does it have to the one um, that has the issue? Like when you when someone's talking to you and you respond defensively, what is the usual outcome of that that you see? <laughs> usually not good right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually pretty bad um what i what i see it on the counseling side um is a variety of ways um sometimes people will just shut down they'll go well then there's zero point for me to talk to you then yeah if, if you can't even acknowledge the hurts that i'm feeling that you've really caused for me then there's zero point for me to even bring those up to you and then i see a very destructive things start to cycle start to play itself out yeah um that that's usually i i think the defensive and blame shifting is in a weird way it's even worse to me it causes more damage yeah than the stuff stuffing spewing leaking kind of thing yeah, yeah. um because then that person feels very invalidated mm -hmm. that their emotions their feelings they mean nothing in in some way so yeah yeah well it totally dismisses empathy in every way right it's like you I came to you with a problem. I came to you with a complaint that's a, a complaint between you and I, right. and you've chosen not even to address the fact that that exists. You're just going to go on your side and say, no, 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 no. Right. And so that really, that really makes me feel if it was between you and I, Adrian, mm -hmm. it makes me feel like, like you don't even care about my position. There's no, there's no caring for me as a person or where my position is. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it, it's a surefire way to shut the conversation out. Maybe that might be the reason why people do it mm -hmm. is that they, if I defend myself harshly enough or I come with enough aggression that it might stop the conversation altogether and they drop it. Right. And that might be the win tactic that people use to employ a defensive response. The problem is the damage is it tells that person no conversation is possible. I'm not mm -hmm. willing to, I am not going to get hurt, so I'm not going to connect anymore. And that causes walls to get built up and in, in, in the relationship to be damaged, right? Yeah. And I think that posture you just described is that person's person that's like, This is the way I am and you don't like it, tough. Right. Right. You know? I mean Yeah. And and, and even as you say that, when I hear people kind of posture themselves that way. Um, I, I suspect for a lot of people, what it comes down to is they are so uncomfortable with the thought of being in the wrong or being accused of some kind of wrongdoing. And there's a sense of like guilt or shame or failure or inadequacy or whatever that causes them to say, I'm not willing to go there. And so I'm going to push back hard and so you just got to deal with the way that that, that is because I'm not going to go down this road with you, right? Right. Mm -hmm. It's a disconnect between your character, who you yeah. want to be, yeah. and who you're perceived to be. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of like connects back with the very first episode when we talked about emotional resiliency, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like these two are very much connected, like the ability to be resilient when someone accuses you of something that's wrong. And let's even take it to an extreme. Like when someone accuses you of, of something that you know within your bones is wrong, that it's a faulty accusation, right? Um, and you feel injustice, that there's there needs to be some resiliency to say, okay, I can withstand the, the, the experience and the feeling of being wrongly judged or accused and still be able to listen, right? Mm -hmm. That's, uh, otherwise, if I can't, then I'm going to have to respond defensively, right? Or if it's a situation where like, okay, maybe they are, maybe I am wrong. Okay. Maybe, maybe I do feel guilty. Like my wife is saying something, something to me right now where I feel kind of bad about. And so because I can't deal with guilt or failure or inadequacy, I've got to come back with defense and say, it's not me, it's you. Right. right. So those are just some of the things I kind of observe 
Anything else that you guys see as well uh, as, it, as it relates to this area of defensiveness before we move on to, to what blame shifting looks like? I also wanted to touch in on your point, Lee, because that was a really good point of sometimes people use it to shut down the conversation. Yeah. I've also u- noticed that it can be weaponized in an interesting way yeah. where one partner knows that if they become defensive, it actually escalates the, part- the other partner where they won't shut down. They'll actually, that's their trigger. Yeah. So then that'll turn into a fight. And then the person that initially became defensive will say, I don't deal with you when you're yelling. And they mm. know, but they know that the defensiveness will cause the yelling yeah, to start. Yeah, yeah. So mm, they're... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <That's> sneaky. So, <laughs> so they move them from the person with the problem to the person who has the problem. Exactly. <laughs> and then they can just walk out of the situation. Yeah, well, if right? you could handle this better, we could have a conversation. Right. <laughs> so, so we're working on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> tell me about this friend of yours. Yeah. <laughs> right? Tell me how this works out, right? Yeah. This thing you do, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think there's a huge connection, like we talked about in the earlier episodes, to flooding. I mean, yeah. that is a posture you take when you're flooded because you have no ability to like hold and sit back and say, okay, let me take a minute and figure out what's actually going on here yeah. before I respond. It's an immediate, usually a pretty quick response yeah. to either either to do the defensive posture or to do the blame shifting. Right, right. right. To your point, it, it's almost like it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. The defensive muscle is quick. It almost happens immediately mm-hmm. to to your. I mean, it is a flooding point, right? Mm-hmm. They yeah. they just immediately go there. It's a, it's not even a process. They almost don't even think about it. Yeah, they immediately go to a defensive posture. Yeah, I guess that would be if we're if we're talking about being in a flooded state and we know, okay, I I need to listen right now. I need to be receptive. But the, if a defensive response comes out in a flooded state, it's because they feel that that lower brain kick in and they move into a fight response. Mm-hmm. So. I'm not going to, to be in a position of threat. I'm going to push back and fight back with defensiveness, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, for, I know for a lot of our listeners, probably um, just kind of hearing us unpack this, know that that's not a helpful response. Like they, there's a number of people who know whenever I respond that way, it does not help the situation. It does not go well, right? But because it's instinctual, because it's a flutter response, it's kind of what we know how to do. It's just what we end up doing it again and again that way, right? And mm-hmm. so it's a, there's a lot of damage that can get, get incurred in a, in a relationship because of that phenomenon, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about um, blame shifting. We talked a little bit on the defensive end, and I want to make a distinction with blame shifting because it's, a, again, I think of it as a, as a subset. So instead of it being um, justifying and say, yes, yeah, something went, went wrong, but you know, it's cause of traffic. I'm late because of traffic, right. Mm-hmm. Or because so-and-so didn't do X, Y, and Z. And so it's trying to remove responsibility onto self onto someone else. So it's a little bit more subtle. Um, but, but yeah, tell me when, uh, what you guys see with that and, and, and maybe, yeah, the damage that it might incur in a relationship as well when that happens. Yeah. I mean, I think blame shifting a lot of times can be, um, less aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and can be a little bit more subtle, like, and, and sometimes can, can pass, yeah, you know, yeah. like sometimes, oh, okay, I get it, yeah. you know, and so sometimes that can like diffuse the conflict, yeah. Yeah. but when it's a repeated pattern over and over again, and your partner, whoever you're in conflict with, realizes, oh, she never takes responsibility. Right, right, right. yeah. Then it starts to become like, yeah, sure, you're always late because of something else. It's just that you don't plan well enough. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, the same thing for me, also as a, a parenting role. It, it 
teens are really good at blame shifting for parents, like really good about it. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden it turns into this pretty quick cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even of, better when they blame shift it back to the parents. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's where it goes, right? <laughs> like immediately. Well, if you had given me more money, right. I wouldn't have to. Oh, wow. And, and mm-hmm. it's kind of some of those moments of, of specific blame shifting. Um, I notice it, of course, on, on the marriage end, but I definitely see it a lot with teens quickly blame shifting towards the parent. Mm-hmm. Quickly. And then the parent immediately becoming flooded and kind of going... Going yeah. from oh, that yeah. way. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe help me understand this too for me and for our listeners. Like, why do you think that happens? Like, like knowing that teens do that a lot, and I get it because I, you know, being a teenager at some point, like I, that's what I would do. But why do you think people go that route, like as teens and going into adulthood? I think control. That's their only time to really get a lot of control. Mm-hmm. When you're a teen, like. You really don't have many options. Everything, yeah. I mean, from where you're going to for the day, what you're going to eat, a lot of things, are, you're out of your control. Mm-hmm. But they can control and manipulate their parents and yeah. get some some sense of control from that. And a lot of times, even manipulating the parents against one another yeah. to get what they want. Yeah, that's a huge discussion I have with the teens and with parents a lot of times is about letting the teens have as much control as possible yeah. and as much control that's appropriate for the developmental level because... They don't have a lot of control. You think about everything in their life is controlled by their parents or school, their structure. Yeah. I mean, there's no other time in your life that you have that much structure around you mm-hmm. than when you're a teenager. Even when you're a kid, when you're a little kid, I mean, you just get free play time. Mm-hmm. Once you become a teenager, that kind of goes out the window. You have very little of that because mm-hmm. you have school, you have homework, you have extra extracurricular activities and responsibilities for your parents. Hey, we hope that you're enjoying this podcast and we wanted to share something really exciting that we've been working on. If you want to go deeper into the issue of conflict, particularly as it pertains to your marriage, we've created a comprehensive video course for you called Rules of Engagement. You'll get lesson videos, a companion workbook, case studies and exercises to help you make practical steps to work through conflict in marriage. Watch it now on our website at watershedinitiative.com. So what you're saying, what I'm hearing from you both is that particularly when it comes to teens, if they feel like they don't have control or power over their environment when things go wrong their first inclination is to think well it's because of the power or the environment that i have no control over yeah their lack of power yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so the only way to really overcome that in that kind of situation is to be able to give them an appropriate level of control and power Mm -hmm. so they can take better ownership or responsibilities for good outcomes and bad outcomes Mm -hmm. right um that sounds really ideal. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you think about like kids going to school. Like, if you are two minutes or two, even sometimes even two seconds late to a class, yeah, yeah. you have a huge consequence. Yeah, yeah. If I'm two or two or three minutes late to work, even yeah. if I had a client sitting here waiting on me, they're going to give me a little bit of grace. Oh, right. I'm yeah, I get it. Yeah. Unless it's a repeated pattern over time. Yeah. But there's no other time in your life that you are that controlled. Yeah, that's true. That's and it, true. and I think it's really unfortunate. So that's a, that, that's an interesting. I had not thought about it that way. So that's really helpful. Um, I had thought as well, the reason why that happens is because from childhood into adulthood, we, uh, we start off, uh, by, um, yeah, external environments control us, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is kind of postured for us. But then as we get older, we have to move control back inwardly, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there's a certain level. I have ownership and power and authority in my own life. And, And I think that what you guys said is really helpful and keen because in teen years they don't have that right mm-hmm. but as soon as they start going on to college and so forth and into adulthood they're given more power but they may never have shifted out of that mindset mm-hmm. they may have always just kept the hey well i just kind of know it's people around me that control me and so they never take that ownership to be able to say okay i 
I did well and I did poorly in these situations and to be able to live into that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's yeah, almost a sense of relief yes. when you talk to teenagers, you're like, this is just this time. You know, once you get out of high school, everything changes for you. Yeah. And you gain a lot more control over your choices and what you're doing. And they're like, okay, just one more year, just two more years. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, to Laura's point, I think it's, it's better of what you said, of giving them as much control as you can, because also what it does is when that moment happens of I'm out of high school and I go to college, I know how to do things. Mm -hmm. Like I know how to think for myself. I know how to do these different things of life. But part of it is if you do everything for them, then that moment does come and it's the control and everything. They don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. So there is that part of um, failure to launch that I deal with a lot of failure to launch. And a lot of it specifically kind of rolls back to everything was done for them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden when the moment came for them to kind of shoot out, yeah. they didn't know how to, right? And yeah. then there was this frustration of, well, why don't I know how to do this? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah. Then, it's mom's fault. Right? Yeah. And then, right? Yeah. And Another award on the yeah. shelf. As, as we're on blame shifting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's, I see that a lot, right? Yeah. Of yeah. that moment of right when it's time. And then as a parent, you're expecting them like, hey, I've done these things for you. You saw me do all these things for you. Why don't you know how to do them now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about as well as you guys are kind of talking it through. Last episode, we talked about parental invalidation and, and um, uh, the, the judgment tone. And so I'm thinking as people get older into their adult relationships, primarily in marriage, um, why this happens? Why does, a, why does a husband or wife respond defensively? And it feels like it's kind of connected to that whole parental thing. Because when in conflict, if someone comes at them with a parental tone, like, hey, where were you? Or why didn't you do X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. Immediately, there's there's a, a, a defensiveness of, okay, I'm coming. Uh, there's a parental criticism coming at me, right? And so the natural response when a parent comes at you is to revert back to your child response, mm -hmm. which is, hey, like, it wasn't my fault. Like, or these other things are going on, right? And so there's a there's a, there's an element of, I think that's, that's part of the reason why people... Even as adults, we know, okay, we don't want, we want to be able to take better ownership of, of ourselves and what we do, but it's almost as though in those moments of conflict, we revert back to old patterns of, okay, it's not my fault, it's other people's fault kind of thing, right? Um, so I think, again, that shift of being able to know, okay, that's how it is when we're teens, but being able to know how to grow out of that into adulthood, to be able to know, I can actually take responsibility and ownership of the things that go well and the things that go poorly in my life, right? Yeah. So let's do this as we as we kind of uh, pass a little bit more. Let's let's introduce the next set and talk that through as well, which is going to be withdrawal and fixing. And so this is going to be when people in conflict shut down and they like like stonewall. They 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 don't they they shut down verbally, maybe emotionally. They check. Maybe they might even just get up and leave. Right. Um, so that might be one response. Another response would be to fix, which is to try to placate or try to resolve or. or address the issue as quickly as possible whatever like um if it's like oh you forgot to take the trash out again oh like instead of it being about like not not maybe being mindful to listen or to understand when your spouse is asking for something but say okay well i'll take out the trash right now right and i'll fix that problem right now right mm -hmm. so that's the kind of framework that i'm talking about mm -hmm. you know talk a little bit about that more like uh, help our listeners kind of understand or connect and relate to that i say withdrawal a lot yeah. Um, uh, once <laughs> I love how we say this, um, as a recovering withdrawer, <laughs> you know, uh, it's definitely one of those aspects of you, you do think in some ways that by withdrawing, I'll actually calm the situation down. 
and it's twofold. One, it's comfortable. It's easier for you because you don't want to ask, you don't want to deal with the, the fight anyway. But two, for the other aspect, you say to yourself, this isn't even going to be productive. This mm-hmm. isn't going to be helpful yeah. and I'll just walk away from this situation. But what you do and what you don't recognize is when you're walking away from that situation, the other person feels very invalidated, right? Like even if they were 100% wrong, there's a different way to do things, right? And withdrawing just causes that person, from what I've seen, to chase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it's just a snowball. That quickly escalates things. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I tend to fall more on the fixing side. Like if there's if you're having a problem, I want mm-hmm. I want to fix that problem right. to alleviate the stress for you and mm-hmm. for me, right? Right. But I think that part of both of these, when you were talking about, I say I was going to say that fixing is a lot about respect, but both of those are about respect. Mm-hmm. Like when you talk about like taking out the trash, that's like I feel like you're not respecting me because you're not carrying your your part of the load. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, right, right. And and then withdrawing is the same thing. You're not engaging with me, so you don't respect me enough to have the conversation with me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a the underlying feeling I think in both of those a lot of times is is about respect and being mm-hmm. being willing to enter into those uncomfortable spaces with people rather than just okay okay I'll just take it out right. this yeah, one that's time. A good point. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. And then yeah. it happens again. Yeah. So it it, it it's like a band aid. It like it try it's an attempt to try to just resolve as quickly as possible the conflict at that point, but it undermines everything else that undergirds that conflict for the person who's initiating it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the damage that I can totally see. If you keep doing it over and over again, it like, I think to your point, Adrian only emboldens that person to want us to pursue that conflict even more and say, okay, you still don't get me. And now I'm going to escalate and I'm going to use whatever bad tactic I can spewing parental tones, whatever, to make you get it. Right. right absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In some ways, to fill the pain that they feel. Absolutely, right? yeah. So they're yeah. gonna they're gonna do what they can do to get that pain felt. I, I I should say, in all in full disclosure, I moved into a fixing role as I became a father. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so it, it, to the point, there there are some ways that you kind of minimize the problem that those people are going through. If the only thing you're trying to do is fix it, right? Yeah. For mm-hmm. the analogy of taking out the trash. You're not really even listening to the problem that that person had and really addressing the actual concern. It's yeah. you're just blowing it off and there's not there's not a justice aspect to it, right? Or yeah. there's not an aspect of you actually recognizing the role and the hurt that you caused. Yeah. It's just let me fix it. Let's make it better yeah. and let's go back to things being copacetic, right? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the goal. But yeah. sometimes for your partner, that's not even what they wanted. They just wanted the acknowledgement of yeah. I'm sorry that I did this. It won't happen again. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So full disclosure here. Uh, I, I actually had a fight with my wife a few weeks ago around this issue. About and, taking out the trash? No, not <laughs> it was, it was about something else. Because that's a common fight. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was close. Uh, you know, and so uh, I won't get into the details, but essentially my wife is saying, hey, I'm really frustrated about something. And, um, and then all I heard was I need X, Y, and Z. Right. And so I, I was in my mind thinking, okay. I can fix X, Y, and Z. I'll take care of that right now, right? And then she'd come back to me later on and said, you know, I really just needed you to listen to me. I'm like, I didn't see that at all. I thought you wanted me literally to fix something. And so I, the reason why I'm saying this is because I think for a lot of people listening, especially like as guys, we, I, I think I just love, I mean, I'm a fixer. I, I even told my wife, I'm a therapist and I, I have a gear to be able to listen and to be empathetic, but I'm still a guy. And so if you tell me a problem, I'm going to, my natural inclination is to want to try and fix it, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so... What was interesting about that conversation was that I gravitated to fix because I felt responsible to fix, 
and I felt guilty if I could not fix it, right? right? Whereas my wife was saying, I really just needed you to listen, and I wanted you to understand my frustration, but I didn't hear that cue. I did not hear that at all, and so I was not able to move in that space. And so that's just, I, I think, a dynamic, just kind of a path for our listeners, why people do this, and right. just speaking as a recovering fixer, right? right. So that's a totally right. deal, right? right. Mm -hmm. I love that you put it that way, because it, it just made me think about it in the moment. If someone outside of my wife and children come to me with a problem, I will try to help them to the best of my abilities, but it may not be my first response. Mm. But if my wife comes to me with any kind of problem, yeah. my immediate response yeah. in my mind yes. is how on earth can I fix yeah. this? What do and, I need to do? Right, yeah. and take this pain from my wife of what she's dealing with yeah. or my kids, whatever they're dealing with, the immediate yeah. response is, it's almost a responsibility yeah. to, in my heart. It's like, yeah. what aren't you doing and what could you be doing to fix this problem? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is not, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's the moment of like, okay, that's not what's happening. Or maybe it is, but sometimes it's clarifying. Sometimes yeah. I'll just ask my wife, like, do you- Do you do want you a fix? Want, right, <laughs> do you yeah. want the fix or do you just want me to hear you out? Yeah, you know, yeah. because I can, right, I can do both. But immediately, to your point, Lee, immediately my mind, even though I'm telling her that, is already, I've already got the fix in the back of my mind. Yeah, yeah. you're like, ready to play that yeah, card. I'm just telling myself, <laughs> I know be quiet. Say fix, yeah. say fix, say yeah. fix, I got it. <laughs> 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 say fix. <laughs> so, but some, to that point, it's just that moment of take a deep breath, listen, communicate to, to what they need, and hopefully they say fix. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's just, it's a human nature thing. And I think I, I really I, I really appreciate this conversation because I really want our listeners to understand this is a thing. It's human nature. And, and kind of where we ended our last podcast on in terms of what do we do with that? Knowing mm -hmm. that this is human nature, like what do we do with that? And so in our last podcast, um, we talked a little bit about just awareness and just knowing that this is stuff that happens. And it's totally normal, right? And, and, but maybe talk a little bit more for our listeners. What can be done? How... How, what are some things that you would suggest a client to do to be able to, to, to know how to not do these things, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, it, I think there's a big difference between the defensiveness and blame shifting and withdrawing and fixing because withdrawing and fixing can be healthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, if done right, right? Yeah, if it's a yeah, timeout yeah. or if it's timed right. Yeah, right? yeah. Right. I mean, if that's what is needed in this, like you said, if mm -hmm. I ask her for fix and she wants fix, mm -hmm. that can be very healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But... but when it when you're assuming things, and I think that's right. where we get into trouble, or you're trying to avoid, yeah, and yeah. that's what where you have to be aware of, like when I when I'm just like running into this without really giving them the opportunity to speak or really listen to what's going on, that's where you get into trouble, and that's when it causes damage. Yeah, so. yeah, no, I like that. So there, a lot for withdrawing or fixing a lot of it is timing it or clarifying it mm -hmm. to know when it's. When, when is it appropriate and when is it not appropriate? Yeah. But generally speaking, defensive and, and blame shifting is, is in general not a good tactic. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I, and I think you hit the nail on the head clarifying for withdrawing and fixing. Like if you can communicate that with one another and clarify it, it's almost a building moment. Like it's almost that. It adds to the relationship because then both people kind of see each other in that moment. But to your point, yeah, the defensive defensiveness and blame shifting and I almost look at sometimes on the blame shifting aspect of sometimes it comes across as it's very intentional the defensiveness and blame shifting mm -hmm. is very intentional versus if we almost took the shift of saying 
what if this person has no control over it? They don't even recognize that they're doing this blame shifting or they're doing this defensiveness. Mm -hmm. At some point, there is that ability to point it out and to kind of acknowledge it in a positive way. Um, to me, it's it's that part of communicating it because blame shifting, uh, hearing you talk about, it's so easy. Yeah. It, it's yeah. so easy for some people and it's almost just a just the muscle that right, they've built right. up and it's super strong. And they don't even know they're doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's like the difference between playing risk and candy land right there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the strategic right? maneuver that has to be able to be done in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, we're going to end our podcast here on, on that note. What I want to do is, um, is tee up our next episode a little bit more in the next episode we're we're going to move away from the communication aspect and what we do um in, in speaking and listening to more of um uh, what goes on in our internal uh minds as we do conflict and we're going to talk about a concept called narratives we touch a little bit on that in in the episode where we we unpack negative assumptions and and interpretations that's where we're going to unpack a little bit more just how our past hurts and and just things that happen in conflicts over time influence the way we see current situations and, and conflicts that happen going forward so i want to just kind of uh, tee that for you definitely listen in on that podcast and our next episode and so uh adrian uh and laura thanks for joining us in this episode and Absolutely. uh and uh, we'll we'll have uh, you guys in the next one thank you very much all right have a great day guys thanks for listening now if you benefited from this podcast be sure to subscribe like share with your friends, and make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us to keep making podcasts and more content like this possible for you. If you have any questions, want to get more content, or just want to stay connected with us, go to our website at watershedinitiative.com and follow us on social media. Lastly, if you want to get connected with a life coach or therapist, call us at our collaborative group practice, Lifeology in Richardson and Frisco, Texas at 214-556-0996.